Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen Utsi and Michael Kimball. We are here in week 18, and the team and player landscape of the NBA has changed considerably since the trade deadline. Going with that, a big shift in the odds for the title. Big gainers, I think, are the Nets and the 76ers. Big losers are the Heat and the Bucks. But I had another takeaway from the trade deadline that fascinated me and charmed me. And I'm going to read a few, uh, I'm going to read a bunch of pairs of names, Jalen, and we'll take it from there. James Harden and Daryl Morey, Torrey Craig and the Phoenix Suns, Ish Smith and the Washington Wizards, Dante DiVincenzo and the Kings, that's a kind of one, Rodney Hood and Ty Lu, Daniel Tice and the Celtics. I Are could these, not. Uh, NBA Valentine's. We're close. We're close. So these are all pairs that have been reunited. And I couldn't stop thinking about the Peaches and Herbs song, Reunited. (laughs) If, you know, a song of my childhood, the lyrics go something like this, reunited and it feels so good, reunited because we understood. There's one perfect fit and sugar. This one is it. We both are so excited because we're reunited. Hey, hey. And that very much applies, I think, to James Harden and Daryl Morey, especially. Did you see that clip of them hugging when Harden got off the plane? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there, I have a lot of thoughts about that. So my first thought is that and I tweeted this out that I find it very odd. I find I said weird, which maybe I should move my language away from the word weird. But so I'll say it was I find it very odd that James Harden is close. And, and this is a quote from the Yaron yeah. uh, Weitzman article that I read um, on Fox. Uh, it's, I find it odd that James Harden is close with Daryl Morey. I also find it uh, in the same article, Joel Embiid was also labeled as close with Daryl Morey. Yeah. And, then, and there's this image of Embiid playing tennis with Daryl Morey, which is just hilarious to me, given <laughs> Embiid's size and strength and athleticism compared to Daryl Morey. And I understand yeah. that tennis is a sport that, like, um, you know, requires you to you to mix that athleticism with skill, but also, like... Being I don't know. a giant I, man with a racket, it makes yeah. it easier to play tennis, I can and, tell you. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not in the best shape myself, and Daryl Morey doesn't get paid to be in shape. You know, he gets paid to sit at a desk and stare at projections and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that was just really funny. It's also just like a, a funny activity to do uh, to, like, bond uh, when you are that size. Um, <laughs> so I just... I don't, I don't understand what, what Joel Embiid and James Harden have in common with Daryl Morey, really. Um, and I find it funny that they're so close. But like I said, I guess it's easy to be close with someone when they're giving you everything that you want and when they're catering the entire organization to your whims. That seems to be the heart of it, right? I mean, this was his big complaint, apparently, with the Nets. And there are multiple reports coming out of Brooklyn about how they weren't catering to every single thing James Harden wanted. And he was somehow very surprised by this. And so I think it is the commonality here, right? I mean, this is this is how Morey treats Embiid. This is how Morey treats Harden. Is there going to be a problem there? In Houston, it was just Harden who was getting all the toys and treats. 
how's it going to work here? Like, like, can he yeah. give them, will it be equal? If Harden gets this box, does Embiid get this player box? If like, what, what, you know, who gets the plane? Who gets the, like, where does this stop and start? And how does everybody else in Philadelphia feel right now? Yeah, I guess they averted disaster in one sense because James Harden is now going to miss the all-star game. So they don't need to compete for who's going to get the private plane to fly to the all-star <laughs> sure. game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Daryl Morey's going to have to pick a favorite child or something here. Like You um, have to. You always have to. There's always a favorite. There aren't two favorites. <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear here that, like, when Morey arrived, you know, he, you know, as the article explains, this is the Yaron Waitsman article. I'll look it up and make sure I'm, like, um, saying his uh, name correctly. And, you know, maybe I'll put the link in our show description. But, um, yeah, like, essentially that, like, um, Maury, when he got to Philly, made a point to seek out uh, Embiid and to develop a relationship with him. And that's not something he did with Simmons. And obviously he doesn't have that luxury to pick and choose now because these are his two guys. You know, he's bent over yeah. backwards to get um James Harden on his team which is a kind of really interesting uh decision to make because Daryl Morey is a really smart dude and John Hollinger pointed this out he pretty much made his career by betting big on James Harden um and it's not gonna break his career but it, it will certainly add an element a layer of potential different bend to the story if if things fall apart in Philly um now that he has James Harden in tow because the reality is that the situation James Harden is really good but like as I talked to when I was talking to Stan Sun on the pod the other day like he has lost a step like I don't even think that's up for debate I think he's lost a step um you know he's not as he can't get to the rim in the same way it's obvious He's not as potent of an offensive player. He's aging, right? The back end of this contract is might not be great. And this is to say nothing of the just the like personality, commitment to defense, you know, team chemistry concerns. So it's sort of like, yeah. and and this is the other thing. Daryl Morey has to have like way better projections than us, right? He has to kind of see the decline in Harden's game uh, better than yeah. we do. Uh, but maybe maybe he sees it in a way that makes him believe that he can return to form in a new situation or something. I don't know. But it's like there's no way that Daryl Morey can't see the deficiencies popping up in Harden's game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Sixers quant squad has to have been able to suss all of that out. And I'm sure that was given to Morey. Right, yeah, no, I mean, this is I don't even know what to say about this trade anymore and the personnel is involved here. <laughs> you know, I just don't like it. But I think the one thing here in general, both teams improved, right? Yeah, I think pretty much I think I think the weird thing is that like because James Harden's skills are like pretty straightforward, like he's a point guard, guard, combo guard who can score and assist. So there's there's really nothing to be concerned about like there, right? Like he's gonna right. make the team better because he's potent in that way. The concerns you have there are like maybe next year or long term about fit and defense right. and things like that. Um and on paper, you know, it's sort of like there's there's more stability in Philly just because James Harden is like a better player than Ben Simmons. But on it paper, it's basically replacing just Seth, Seth Curry. Like you're putting yeah. Harden in for Curry and that's the only real change to the five. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, Ben Simmons on paper is the perfect fit to play next to guys like Kyrie Irving yeah. um, and, and Kevin Durant. And like, I don't know if Ben Simmons is the, the kind of like, athlete both vertically and like 
I just don't think he has like the intelligence right now. Not intelligence, that's the wrong word. Just the like the feel for playing the uh, playing as a rim protecting five, which is the role everyone foresees for him. But maybe right. that's something he can get better at. You know, maybe that's something that he can develop. Um, but like he's gonna help yeah. the team. Like if he plays and he plays like the way he he's played in previous seasons, he's going to help the team. It's, it's, it's fascinating here because we're taking two guys who are unhappy in part because their roles on their teams what weren't what they wanted them to be and wouldn't adapt to make them what the team wanted to be. They're both being sent to other teams to solve the exact same problem again, yeah. and they'll both be asked to do different things on their new teams than they were on their old teams. Will they do it? We yeah. want to believe they will. We assume they will. We always, the fan always assumes they will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> will it happen i don't i i um yeah, yeah i don't know i'm picking the nets here over the sixers and possibilities of making it happen but they have so many injuries right now that throws a little caveat on that but yeah 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 it certainly seems like uh i mean and of course maury could reshape the team and really get them geared up if he can figure out a way to move tobias harris in, in future seasons but Right now, it looks like the Nets are in a better position long term, given the youth of Ben Simmons and like uh, the fact that though he's making a lot of money, he's making less than James Harden and there's he's under contract for longer. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be exciting to see. And like I always say this, like I would like to root for James Harden. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I should stop saying that. Maybe I <laughs> wouldn't like to root for James. But like, I would like to be a better person in the sense that like, I want to not just hold it against James Harden that he quits on teams and is like, I don't know, goes comatose on defense like every few games. But like, he makes it so hard on me because it's like, it's tough. That stuff matters, right? Like, at a certain point, you begin to question whether or not a guy is willing to do what it takes to win a championship. So I hope he sets the course, uh, a new charts, a new path for his career. And, you know, he and Embiid can work together and they can sacrifice as necessary because that's the way that we get to see the best possible yeah. basketball. And that's what we want to see, right? We want to see guys competing all out like they do in the playoffs. And, yeah. you know, that's when we get these KD Giannis moments that are just like, Right. two legends going at it <laughs> right yeah and i think you hit on something really important here too whether you like or don't like james harden whether you like or don't like ben simmons um i don't think those are the, even the right questions in a sense we're talking about two players who were in difficult situations and we always want to ascribe all of this personality just like the behavior to the personality of the person when in fact context matters a lot here what ben simmons his behavior over the last six months had a lot to do with the context in philly same for harden different context different reasons but all of that stuff comes into play here and Sports really misses a more holistic explanation of what's happening with the hot takes and fan uh, clickbait they throw out there. So um, it, it wouldn't be bad to see a, a, a them reporters sort of develop a more uh, a fuller, more nuanced explanation of some of this stuff. For sure. For sure. So let's move on to another trade. Um, let's talk about there was one um, that really really hurt my fantasy team <laughs> uh, and it was this was um uh i guess i don't know maybe this is the most talked about trade it could be the second most talked about trade but halliburton sabonis the pacers and the kings 
made that swap. Some other players were involved in in that movement. I'm trying to pull that up right now. So I have everybody. It was Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb, and a second rounder in 23 going to the Kings for Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson to the Pacers. Um, this and so fantasy terms. Um, this just crushed me because I had Rashawn Holmes. He becomes a non-entity now. And, oh, I guess it was a separate trade, but the DiVincenzo trade that brought him to the Kings also uh, lowered the value of uh, Davion Mitchell, who I had just picked up. So I'm really hating the Kings right now. But let's talk about the real out basketball aspects of the Kings trade. The thing that was most shocking to me here, are two great players, Sabonis and Halliburton, you have to consider Halliburton, the guard, the more valuable player here, I would think, over Sabonis at the five, a somewhat devalued position in today's NBA. That alone makes this a questionable trade. Um, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, Jalen. Um, yeah. Why don't you take us through it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I have Tyrese Halliburton on every fantasy team I'm on. I'm playing every fantasy league I'm Everyone? in. Everyone? Everyone. I'm in three like fantasy right. leagues. He's in all my teams. So right. I'm definitely a huge Tyrese Halliburton fan. Um, you know, someone, I think it was Jay King of The Athletic was like, people talk about Tyrese Halliburton like he's MJ. It's like Jay King just doesn't know the vibes. He doesn't know the vibes. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton yeah. is good vibes. Um, he's fun to watch play. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a good dude by all accounts. So, yeah. um, you know, he, it, it's fun having him on my, my fantasy basketball teams. And I can tell you right now, uh, it's fun having him on the Indiana Pacers for Pacers fans because that team yeah. <laughs> has immediately become more exciting uh, to watch. They're playing at a faster place pace. He had 16 assists in a game last week. Um, I think that was Sunday. Um, so, I mean, he's just he's just balling out. Um, and, you know, I expect him to continue to get better. I will say, in fairness to the Kings and DeMontis Sabonis, Sabonis right now is the better player, but I think projecting forward you would think that like you said Halliburton at the guard spot Sabonis being a big and a big who can't anchor your defense um that's just going to be the less valuable player more times than not um right. he's also moving to like a, a more difficult conference in a lot of ways so like yeah. He's not making any all-star teams in the West unless a bunch no, of people he is injured. <laughs> that's, um, that, that, that's over for now. And yeah, I don't, I don't see that happen. And, and, and at this, on the other side in the East, we'll see Halliburton's rise I think, yeah. for, for, for years to come. I think uh, I, I was joking in our text uh, thread uh, with Chris, one of our Indiana Pacers fans that, I think Tyrese Halliburton maybe becomes the most beloved player ever associated with the state of Indiana in any form. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, for all the reasons you said, I've caught uh, a couple of halves of this uh, two or three games. I can't remember now that he's played with the Pacers so far. He looks great. He's making passes that weren't being made. He's making his teammates better in ways that they are clearly enjoying. Like th th this was a great move for them, and and they've uh, moved for their from their super mediocrity, which played out in a really terrible way to begin this season, to something that looks incredibly promising. There's one other aspect here that might be of interest, and I'm really not certain. I'd like your take here. 
after the Kings were roundly mocked by everybody who follows the NBA, they came out of the trade deadline and won their next two games. Mm-hmm. They looked okay, I guess. I wouldn't say they looked great or anything. Then they got demolished by the, the devastated um, net squad with their uh, supreme lack of players right now. Um, did the Kings do this to make the playoffs? Because it wasn't just Sabonis coming over. They also brought Holiday and Jeremy Lamb, two solid pieces they could stick in the rotation. I think they're trying for the play-in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that seems to be the case that, and I, I think that seems to be the thinking behind not trading Harrison Barnes, right? Like, right. I think there was a the report that came out that they didn't want picks for Harrison Barnes. They wanted players that could help right. them win now. So, you know, as seems to be the case um, in the NBA, the Kings are chasing that, you know, what used to be the eighth seed, now they're chasing the 10th seed. Um, and it's kind of amazing uh, that, they're as far away as they are given (laughs) given you know the pelicans are without zion the spurs um have been the spurs all season and they just traded Derek white the blazers have a skeleton crew you know they don't really have their team anymore the lakers are just like dealing with like internal strife to the maximum you know the fans are openly like uh, they're tensing up every time uh, Russell Westbrook is about to take a jump shot. And every Clip- time he's about to take the court. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's amazing that they're all the way at 13th, but they probably have a shot at it, I guess. Well, you know, you would think the Trailblazers might go full on tank. I don't know. I have to double check. What about check the if- Spurs? Are they, yeah, are they really trying to get in here? I would think not given yeah, that they so. just traded Derek white. Like it seems like maybe they're going to kind of take a step back and maybe get their, you know, use those picks and accumulate assets. That seems to be the mode that they're in. So, so I feel like they're really competing with the Pelicans because the Pelicans yeah, do the want Pel- to the make Pelicans the want to get in. And um, I, I hadn't caught this. I remembered them starting terribly to begin the season. They were one and 11. Do you know what they are since then? I don't. Please I want to say it's 21 and 23. They're, They're almost a 500 team without Zion and with some really terrible play from, from some positions throughout the season so far. It's kind of amazing. Should we be talking about Willie Green here? Like, yeah, I mean, what I is he we, doing? <laughs> I think we should. You know, I can't, I have to confess to not watching very many Pelicans games this season. So I'm not necessarily an expert on how they've been able to turn the ship around. But I think you're right to point to that. Like, Willie Green seems to have connected with the players on a level that um, Stan couldn't when he was there. Um, he seems to be getting the most out of Brandon Ingram, who's like taking a leap with his playmaking. Um, and, you know, they, they got CJ like this. This yeah. is the thing we, we were talking about this in our group chat right now. They have CJ, they have Brandon Ingram. They're potentially going to get Zion back. Um, they have Devonte Graham. They have JV. I kind of forgot about JV in my initial analysis of the trade. Yeah. I was just like, what what is this actually doing? But He's I mean, that's a well. That's, that's a pretty talented roster, even in the West. Um, well, and they've got other guys who are playing well too. Uh, still coming up, like Jose Alvarado, looks like he could turn into a very good, let's just say, backup point guard. Here's your new campaign in the young <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
you know, he, he, he um, Jackson Hayes uh, has thrown up some unbelievable numbers and minutes. Um, I mean, they're just some guys really getting it done there. Um, yeah. Larry Nance could come back uh, from the injury, maybe by the end of the season. I can't remember another solid piece. They could slot in there. They'd be like the Pelicans match up with the Lakers in the play in. I guess I'm taking the Pelicans. Yeah. I do think they kind of like, uh, put a ceiling on their uh, team by like they they re- they recreated the the Portland Trailblazers problem there uh, <laughs> yeah, by having right. two really small guards who aren't great on defense. Graham is like can fight and you know he can get some steals. He's just so small that it can be an issue. Um, and you know Herb you kinda... Jones can cover three guys at the same time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the one-stop shop for all of Pelicans defense. Yeah, he's got a cover for a lot of people. He and JV. <laughs> JV is not the best defender himself, so yeah, it's a he's got a he's got to plug a lot of leaks, but he's covering a lot of ground on the perimeter. <laughs> but and I mean, you know, Larry Nance Jr. is injured, Kyra Lewis is injured, but like if yeah. Larry Nance Jr. can kind of find his footing next year with the injuries, that's another like you know wing big player who can help move. He can be a connector piece for them. I mean, yeah. they'd probably look pretty good if if Lonzo Ball was still on the team, but that ship has obviously long since sailed. Right. So, I, I mean, I certainly think they're making the best of the situation that they have, but I'm not sure if it's really going to lead to what they yeah. want. Like, I mean, I guess, do we think Zion is staying? Do we think he's going to do the qualifying offer thing and leave? How I mean, does if this you've watched the Pelicans this? so far, even with Willie Green being as good as he has is in a few players making real progress if you're zion do you want to stay here i mean i don't know i mean what i want as a fan is i would like zion i would like duke zion to return somehow (laughs) the guy who was like a monster on defense as well as offense but if that can't happen then i just want him to be healthy and play um i'm not really sure if there's like a championship there for that team but that's okay right not every team has to win a championship um, but it, it does kind of feel like they're doing the Mavericks thing. Um, yeah, the Mavericks it it, it's a problem. <laughs> made like a, the Mavericks made a kind of sad trade. And we talked about this when they first traded for KP. And I think I said at the time that I thought it was like they're going, they're pushing their chip it, chips in too soon. I obviously had no idea that Luca was going to be this good this fast. But I just thought that like KP wasn't a real second star. And so right. no matter how good Luca got, I figured it just it wouldn't be enough. And that's basically what happened. Of course, KP's been injured, so you haven't even really had a chance to see what he's capable of, but essentially that's what happened. Right. And it ra- I mean it raises I guess two ends of questions for somebody like KP. You know, could he be the second star was already the question will he play real consistent minutes is the other question uh so in a way the wizards i mean i I don't even quite know how to think about this um the wizards broke porzingis into half his contract in half basically like 40 percent one 60 percent for the other part of it for dinwiddie and bertans dinwiddie's been kind of a losing basketball player this season in the Wizards lineup. Bertans kind of disappeared and blamed it on rotation and inconsistent minutes. I want to hope like it, it, it would be good to have either of these guys if they possibly play more than Porzingis was playing, but I don't know if either of those guys truly helped the Mavericks do much of anything. 
Yeah, I think the Mavericks have just accepted the fact that they they need <laughs> to take sad. a step back so that they can take a step forward. You know, I think yeah. that's what this move signals that like it just wasn't going to work. They they weren't a real contender with Chris Stapps given his injury yeah. history. Even if even if you believe in Chris Stapps as a second star, like he just wasn't going to be healthy enough. At least that's what this trade signals sure. uh, for them to really find out. Uh, and so I think they kind of like I I think that they would I think that they've been linked to Spencer Didwindy in the past. So there may be some real mutual interest there. And I don't know what this means for Jalen Brunson and re-signing Jalen Brunson, but. It could um, be a hedge against losing him, perhaps. There has to be some worry yeah uh, there uh, did, 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 um, the, the, I, don't, I don't know if this was true or not but i saw a rumor that said uh the pistons came after jalen brunson and you know asked uh, what it would take to get him uh the, the mavericks response was cade cunningham yeah, yeah which is just like i mean sure you want to keep brunson of course you do but <laughs> yeah tim mcmahon said that on the <laughs> zach lopot or, or the uh windhorse pod one of them and i was like okay wow <laughs> they're just they really had no interest in parting with jalen brunson <laughs> no. at the uh, deadline but, anyways but there's another interesting thing here too because i don't think you know jalen brunson super solid player going to be for another eight years at least i'd say um but is this a move away is it is it a prep like a two-year step back for the mavericks as they rebuild around luca or is this a step away from the star model that somebody like Moray insists on in Philly and the Wizards are trying to appease Bradley Beal? Is this a step away from this in the single star centric great role player model? Are the Mavericks looking at it that way because that's the kind of player they can get? I mean, that's a good question. Um, it seems like they almost don't have a choice because yeah. they, they felt like they didn't have a second star anyways. And what they did have is like an unquestioned single star. And so, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think you might be onto something there where they're sort of, although I think I don't really know how much cap space they are going to have this summer. Um, so I don't know how much of a player in, uh, you know, the off season going to be, then they have like a, yeah. a tortured history with that <laughs> where yeah, everyone, no, they think they're going to get someone and it just doesn't really work out. Um, mix out West. Yes. People get locked in their, their houses <laughs> and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting because I, I kind of think that like they need, they need to move away from the sort of, you know, quote unquote heliocentric model to reach their full potential. Um, but I mean, when have we seen a team win in recent vintage? Like they, they essentially have now created Mavericks. like the, like the, <laughs> the Allen Iverson model, right? Where it's like AI doing everything. Yeah. And then they've got a bunch of defenders and shooters. Obviously this team is much more, has better shooting and is probably much better put together than the, that AI team. But it, it, I mean, Luca does everything for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to mention Dirk Nowitzki here. Yeah, but even that Dirk team had like, you know, J.J. Barea was a really good second man, uh, a six man coming off the bench. Yeah. They had a, like an aging um, kid. Um, yeah, no. yeah, they had a yeah, yeah they kid, had an right. aged kid who was like used to be a superstar. They just had a lot of veterans, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe that model can work again. Uh, it's possible. I mean, Luca's a even more of a do everything player than Dirk was. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, 
yeah, could work. Um, might not. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one of the other trades, one of the most surprising to me, Derek White to the Celtics. If I'm the Spurs, I never trade Derek White, but I, uh, I guess uh, I guess they're looking to the future too, and and sort of what this squad might um, be in its next iteration. They aren't going to win anything right now, um, so I guess I like this for them. They got some picks. They got uh, Josh Richardson. Maybe Romeo Langford develops, but the key here is Derek White, sixth man now on the Celtics, fits perfectly into their defensive framework, appears to be in their closing lineups as well. I like it for the Celtics. They've been playing winning basketball. They look really good as we head toward the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I don't have too much to add. I mean, I'm with you. I really like Derek White's game. You know, he's had some trouble shooting over the past couple seasons, but um, for fantasy, you know, we both play fantasy and he's a really good shot blocking guard. Uh, one of the best shot blocking guards in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, he's going to rack up the defensive stats and he's now being pushed down into a, a lower usage role on the Celtics and maybe like a higher importance defensive role. Right. Um, basically outside of the big men, it's going to be Marcus smart and him sort of anchoring that perimeter defense. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's a perfect fit. The, the Celtics are not going to be fun to play in the playoffs. You know, we're not uh-uh. Celtics fan on this podcast <laughs> and I feel tormented by this move. Cause they just, they, I thought we were done with the Celtics for a season and so they, did I. <laughs> they're, they are back, man. They're, they, well, they, and they picked up Jan- Daniel Tice too, as we've already mentioned, they got rid of Schroeder who wasn't, you know, a, a decent basketball player, but wasn't great in what they were doing there. Um, moving Fernando and freedom, uh, freedom. Can you imagine being such a jerk that like you cost yourself tens of millions of dollars? Like essentially Dennis Schroeder was such a jerk that like he just cost himself millions of dollars. Like it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I don't understand. It's just, if everybody was just nice to everybody, he would have millions of more dollars. Like if right? he just had that as a general approach to the world. It's but- like, what? <laughs> At the same time, I would take it. What did, what did he get for the Celtics? Four, five? What was it? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I was it. like, there's my lifetime earnings and then some by, I don't know, double or triple. I don't even know. So, like, yeah. yeah. Like, it seems, it seems like the Celtics Four. just, like, I mean, because, like, you can diff, – opinions can differ on how useful – Daniel Tice is he's not having a good season this year the Celtics didn't seem to care they just wanted they just seemed to want Dennis Schroeder off their team which is basically how a number of teams have felt by the end of Dennis Schroeder's uh time on in their organization so I don't know I'm usually very pro player when it comes to this stuff but I just kind of feel like if enough people are saying the same thing uh Dennis Schroeder seems like he might be a bit difficult to deal with in the locker room but yeah the Celtics have won eight in a row like they're like I if the if the Raptors I mean if the Sixers struggle to integrate Embiid and all of a sudden we've got like a four or five matchup or something between the Bucks and the Raptors again that could be another seven game like slugfest yeah yeah no this I mean it completely changed the playoff landscape especially in the east um you know a couple of teams that looked like they were kind of out in front um, didn't do as much everybody else improved um the east looks scary through six now i would say 
Yeah, I mean, even not I, even talking about the Hawks who are playing well again. And, I mean, Bulls, <laughs> Bulls, Raptors, and the Bulls. That's, right, that's not a fun. The matchup. Bulls are going to get healthy by the end. I have high hopes for what they could do. I mean, Patrick Williams comes back. They got those young guys who got a bunch of valuable experience that can actually play and will be important pieces in the playoffs. Um, that's going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah. I mean, we keep saying this, but like right now the bulls uh, would play the Raptors in the first round. The heat would play Kevin Durant and, and the nets, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons <laughs> and, <laughs> and Kyrie Irving in however many games he can play the in, the West, in the West. Right. It's Clippers and Lakers in the eight, nine trailblazers in the 10 <laughs> Timberwolves in the seven, you could potentially be playing. The Suns could potentially be playing the Clippers or the Lakers in round one. The Warriors <laughs> could potentially be playing LeBron and AD in round one. Like it's, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> For for years, I've kind of hated the LA narrative that the, the the sports reporting world has pushed on us. Mostly ESPN, but of course everybody else is picking up. I love, I just love that the LA narrative this season could be they're playing for the last playoff spot, yeah. perhaps. Or you, you know, there are a lot of scenarios there that could be a very fun and from a hate, like hate the- watching perspective. The Lakers are not a great team, but like no. AD is a bet. Like, it, it, like Draymond can guard AD in the post, but AD is a menace uh, for the Warriors' like offense to deal with. Like, he just comes out of nowhere and blocks shots. Like, this is the thing: the Warriors' offense they they get to the rim a lot through their back cuts and through their system, but they don't have that a guy who's just going to put his head down and get to the basket. And right. and usually that person is is Steph Curry, who is not very tall, and AD just <laughs> swallows him up at the rim. So I mean. I, that's just not a that's not a super fun matchup and the clippers yeah. the warriors just lost to the clippers um like yeah they just keep like, rolling guys out there and they keep scoring I they mean. just have a ton of wings <laughs> they have a ton of wings they can switch everything they can play five out um yeah i mean it's just not gonna be fun for any of these teams to play one of those if it's the clippers and the lakers it's just not gonna be fun uh for those seven eight matchups but um yeah before we like close out i wanted to ask you about the pistons trades and give you a chance to take over and do some more of the talking here i feel like i'm talking too much (laughs) but yeah marvin bagley is now a member of the detroit pistons yeah i um i mean (laughs) you know it could be good the 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 pistons needed um more bodies up front it's hurt them terribly at, at at certain times this year and weaver even came out and did something a gm never does and says he made a mistake he made a mistake not having enough bigs around him and that he didn't have a big who could roll like bagley can roll they're like now we got the guy now we can run our our young new guards through this thing that we weren't using mm-hmm. so it's a benefit in those terms. This looks like a Weaver flip candidate to me, um, though. I get uh, from what I understand, there are some contract considerations here. Yeah. If he gets a starter, if he gets, if he reaches the starter threshold, the contract would probably be prohibitive for the Pistons to re-sign him. But anybody else could re-sign him in, at a lower number. So he'll probably come through the rest of the season not making that criteria. I think it's like a fourth million plus contract 
contract if he doesn't reach starter criteria. So I don't mind any of that. I would love to see him pick, you know, pick up Bagley uh, for next year, see if he's a fit there, see if he's a, a fit with um, how that runs. They've done well with some of those guys and getting other value out of it. That's kind of what this looks like to me. Um, it also looks like a, you know, Josh Jackson wasn't going to get there and he was moved out. Trey Lyles is playing pretty well for the first time in his career, but there's a clear ceiling there. I don't mind them giving up either of those guys. So I think this is a positive trade for the Pistons in a really low key way. Uh, I didn't expect them to do much here unless somebody was giving them value or they were, um, you know, picking up a contract. Yeah, uh, I'm not uh, with I'm not totally sure why they needed to give up two second round picks in the deal, given that Marvin Bagley well, is like a distressed asset. It, um, so that I don't yeah. get. A lot of that was brought up in multiple pieces I read about. It, and apparently um, this was partly a leverage slash, what do I call it, likability situation. It was well known by the Kings that the Pistons had front office fans of Bagley. And mm. so they were able to get something. Interesting. And I mean, yeah, I mean, they're helping the Kings out because the Kings are trying <laughs> yeah. to win and they gave them bodies, at least, you know, Trey yeah. Lyles, Josh Jackson. Um, Lyles could play meaningful minutes. Um, yeah. even, and uh, Jackson could too. I mean, he's a wing, unlike some of the wings they have. Um, yeah. So that part, I mean, that, that explains it, right? If, if another organization learns you have, um, googly eyes for a specific <laughs> right. player then they're gonna try and take advantage of that so I mean yeah I mean it, it didn't really make sense to me why it was that hard to trade Marvin Bagley like right yeah I mean I he's mean, shown I, flashes we know this we play fantasy basketball we've seen his stat lines yeah. with minutes when he's gotten starts which we saw through the COVID stuff last year this year like he and can I, be his, his stat lines can be great and also people generally like to take like a chance on dudes who are like top draft picks so I yeah. feel like I didn't I never totally understood why that was so difficult but um you know, I mean, I guess kudos to the Kings for waiting because it seems like they got the most that they possibly could in, in like this deal for him. Well, um, it's curious, right? They like they clearly do want to take a chance on a former number two. At the same time, it appears the Pistons no longer want to take a chance on last year's number seven. Mm-hmm. And that would be Killian Hayes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't help but feel like, you know, we're talking about cap space teams and maybe, uh, maybe Colin Sexton doesn't want to play for a losing team, but I can't feel like this changes my opinion on Colin Sexton <laughs> being a target for the, the Pistons. I mean, there, Why I do don't you know, do this to me. <laughs> I don't know how many teams are going to have the money to like sign him to a restricted uh, free agency contract, but it just seems like, if they're out on if they're out on uh, Killian Hayes, I mean, bam, wham, bam, there it is. Colin Sexton, twenty four points, uh, twenty four point score in his in his time in the NBA, and can play the two. Is a better shooter than Hayes. Um, tries hard at least on defense. You know, I'm not sure he's like great defender, but um, you know, he doesn't need to pass right. He doesn't need to play point guard. They have Cade <laughs> right. there. So well, they don't even want like, like one of the reasons behind moving Killian to the bench apparently was they wanted more ball handling and playmaking around Cade in the starting five and the units he's in. 
but you know what they, the the sentence they didn't say after that was that they didn't consider Killian Hayes a quality <laughs> enough professional NBA basketball player to fulfill that role. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean <laughs> that that's tough. I was not on the uh, Killian Hayes bandwagon when he was first drafted. I mean. I, I'm not go a back and expert, listen. So. Go back and listen to the pre-draft that when we were talking about the Pistons at seven, I went on a tangent about Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely <laughs> Team Halliburton from the beginning. I mean, this is the other thing. Like Tyrese Halliburton, in a lot of ways, you know, reports came out that he he wanted to play yeah, for the Kings. Right. He kind of like withheld some information from other teams. Right. I'm not sure where he got the idea that playing with CP3 wouldn't be a good idea, but like literally like the Suns could have drafted Tyrese Halliburton. He could be on the Suns right now trying to win a championship. Like that's kind of crazy. It's also kind of crazy to me that like the Suns traded Jalen Smith and like, I think a second round pick to get uh, Torrey Craig back when like they, a, they could have just had Tyrese Halliburton in that spot. Also, Torrey Craig was on their team last season. Why did well, they, they just, just could have played Jalen Smith for God's sakes? Like the guy put up serious numbers. Like, yeah. was there a real problem with that? His play, he never got run. I mean, I think it was just like a championship consideration thing. Yeah. Like Torrey Craig probably is like a better fit for the switch everything or like limited switching scheme they want to run in the playoffs. And he's like a better like three and D wing player. Sure. They picked sure. up beyond and they have better D I mean like, um, yeah. JaVale McGee so they don't really need another big like that but I mean he's he's playing with Tyrese Halliburton now and I saw him knock down a, a couple of threes uh, the other night so it's like he seems interesting enough like I I was definitely <laughs> down on that pick but it seems like there's some ability there yeah it's, it's it's really hard to look at some of that stuff and I have to go back and look this up but and maybe you know it Jalen Smith's rookie ex, uh this was one of the few um, yeah, they options that weren't picked up. Like in the last 10 years, there have been a couple. Yeah, they did. They both it. with the Phoenix Suns, I think. Um, I think it was Damian Jones for the Warriors. They declined okay. his uh, rookie extension, I think, also. But it's that infrequent. It's just option. a matter of course that teams pick those up. And here was a player who, while he did not get enough much time, they had to see was a pretty good basketball player, at least in practice. Like you can see it in the game. Yeah. And that's a weird thing too, because like they picked him. So they clearly yeah. had to see something in him. <laughs> they clearly had to believe him, believe in him to, to a certain degree. But yeah, I, I'm not like a cap expert. We're not like great at that part of the NBA analysis, but like they've done some weird things, you know, failing to re-sign uh, DeAndre Ayton or extend DeAndre Ayton. Oh yeah, right. Um, but then they spent all this money on um, Landry Shamit. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, why I, people keep doing that is a mystery to me. But yeah, sure. So yeah, they, they sort of made some head scratching moves there. But I mean, at the end of the day, they have CP3, they have Mikael Bridges, they have Aiden, they have Cam Johnson. They're like set up. They're they're certainly the most stable team in the league. They have, I think, they have the best record in the league. So they're just, I mean, if they win a championship, nothing matters. But um, yeah, certainly some head scratching moves. There was one other trade I just want to make sure we mention at least briefly, and that was the KZ trade from Miami to, I'm trying to remember where, the Thunder. Um, the Heat moved him from the Thunder. 
uh, for a second. Um, this was a super low key move. I didn't know why it happened. Uh, I, I'd seen KZ play some minutes at different points last year. I hadn't really seen him this year. Looked like a quality basketball player, looked like a heat kind of guy. I read that um, this trade, the second that went with it, some uh, protections on a first were removed. It sets the heat up to make a decent move um, pre um, draft this year. They'll now have firsts for 22 and 23 that could be traded to pick up another uh, high quality player. Perhaps I think that's where they have to be looking. Feel good about that? Yeah, I would assume uh, that that was the thinking when this trade happened. I was just like, oh, well, look at that. The 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 heat just like they couldn't stand to have their pick for <laughs> they just couldn't stand to have their first round pick. Uh, like why they, bother? Yeah, they're just constantly <laughs> trading all their picks. Uh, they're just Pat Riley is not interested in your 19 year olds, uh, your snotty nosed 19 year olds. So uh, that's not totally surprising at all. That that's like been their history over the past decade or, or yeah. more even. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, not totally surprising there, but it is interesting, right? Like they yeah. they're a place that people like to play. Um, you know, the weather's nice, uh, no state taxes. Um, so it could already be known. Not that I'm suggesting tampering in any way, but <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. They could already have someone in mind. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I, I I guess I wanted to mention the um Montrez Harrell trade, Montrez Harrell being traded yeah. to the uh, Charlotte Hornets. is. I think that's a good move for them. It obviously doesn't really sure up their defense, but um, they kind of got like a bridge for that center position without right. giving up uh, P.J. Washington at the moment. So that's nice. Um, maybe there's like a P.J. Washington, um, Rashawn Holmes trade in the summer or something that gets them like a starting center who's more defensively minded, but um, and then, you know, Mason Plumley can go back to his like rightful place as like <laughs> slightly overqualified backup center. Um, well, right. That, that, and I think, um, Harold's vibes is going to be a pretty decent fit <laughs> with the Hornets. Like yeah. just having another roller, a guy who's going to the basket like that, like it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. They're going to like playing with him. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's a good fit with, with, uh, LaMelo and the rest of the guys there just playing fast and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, really quick wrap up, Jalen, throw in any other names you want here. I made a super fast list of some of the players who have probably improved their fantasy prospects uh, after the trade deadline. And I'm thinking of Niang, uh, Nato in, uh, in Philly, Nato and Smith in Washington, maybe Naismith and Pritchard in Boston, DiVincenzo uh, all of a sudden has value. Uh, and he didn't two days ago or a few days ago. Book night, perhaps. Um, Elsby, uh, Ellaby in Portland. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty I'm forgetting about, but um, one of the things I love about the trade deadline is the, uh, the, the game opportunities that pl- it provides for uh, fantasy basketball, too. It's always a fun part of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think Bruce Brown with, um, uh, with them yeah. 
uh i'm forgetting he's I'm playing forgetting. again yeah yeah he, he's playing <laughs> because they they got rid of i'm forgetting the guy's name but they they had to they had to waive someone in order to make room oh. to execute the trade yeah um, uh benbury benbury yeah so they benbury had kind of taken over bruce brown's role yep. as the kind of defense swiss army knife um play the big man at, in the pick and roll and now that he's gone bruce brown has like taken over that role and, and he's popping off where um, does benbury land i'm gonna say sons or bucks yeah it looks like, i think i saw a report that he was looking to sign with the bucks which oh, is okay. kind of which is kind of criminal like the, the it rich is, just but they need richer. that body they need that yeah. body right now um, yeah I but, mean, but yes it, it is not fair yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> mantras harrell uh i think his stock obviously goes up because he was kind of getting yeah. Uh, unnecessarily squeezed uh, as they were trying to get rid of one of their big men right um uh let's see uh, obviously Tyrese Halliburton is like nobody else is like in the contest as long as Brogdon is not playing for minutes and and on ball reps you know Chris Duarte right. is gonna get a little bit of some reps but like he's gonna play a lot of minutes he's gonna have a high usage it looks like Buddy Heald is also gonna play a lot of minutes and have a high usage um maybe this some other guys in Indiana gonna play I think O'Shea Brissett's been playing a lot of minutes. He's been playing well. Yeah. Jackson's injured right now, but when he's healthy, I think he's going to get a lot of runs. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of playing time for the young guys uh, in Indiana. Um, I'm trying to think uh, who else we got. Uh, There were some others. um, I mean, a bunch of Clippers lost value, but Norman Powell broke his foot, could be out for most of or the rest of the season. So all of those guys got their value back. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden that was one of them. I was considering dropping Batum and then he hit like four threes, right. scored 14 points, yeah. had eight rebounds against the Warriors. You know, Terrence right. Mann is balling out right now. Crazy um, great. So Terrence Mann's definitely someone like, I think in our league, he's probably on someone's roster already. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Matisse Teibel is another guy, you know, he's got the boost of the team kind of having confidence in him and keeping him out of the trade um and just the fact that like they don't have as many like bodies to fill his role so um yeah and i think so a couple other little things uh just remembering Derek white loses value but uh, in in boston probably but Dejounte murray um gains value with the spurs a, a bunch of little tweaks like that happened maxi obviously loses value harden if um his uh attention uh rises again could get a good a nice bump in philly too yeah i think davion um, mitchell yeah, yeah. davion mitchell's value even with the arrival of um of divincenzo i think he's still gonna get uh, a good amount of minutes like i think they probably want to see what they have in him because part of the calculation yeah. of trading halliburton i imagine is that if davion mitchell is good enough they are kind of approximating halliburton's production with davion mitchell yep um I think, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, the- and I think Mitchell might have lost a little with DiVincenzo coming in, but I think he still gets serious minutes the rest of the way. Yeah, I think we Jonathan- don't have anybody else, really. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I think uh, Jonathan Kaminga for the Warriors is is uh, in a good spot right now with Draymond Green injured, but also just the fact that, like, I mean, Andre Iguodala is also injured, but I just think that, like, he's he's playing in a way that it's clear he recognizes his role like he's very hesitant to shoot threes now he's only like scoring off of cuts and and in transition um it's, right. he seems like he's very clearly playing a role and he's bought into their system um so i think yeah yeah he, he's got a lot of potential there so that wraps up 
week 18 uh, of the NBA for the Shot Tower podcast. Come back next week where we'll be talking, no doubt, about the buyout market, which is just getting going. Dragic, Wall, Bledsoe, Harris, probably a bunch of other guys. And that is it for this week. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. Run it, 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 run it